I pray that you'll open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be in the second chapter of the New Testament book of Ephesians as we are continuing on in your sermon series called Undeserved. And this morning I want to look at a, at a quality of your life in Christ that, that is undeserved. And it's so important in today's culture. Once you give your life to Jesus, this is so important, this quality is yours. And many Christians might not even realize that they have it. What I want to talk to you about this morning is your undeserved identity and image in Jesus Christ. You know that? That you have an undeserved identity and image in Jesus Christ. First of all, here's the thing about this. You, you only have this image and identity in Jesus Christ if you are a Christian. Now you have this. This is, this is a gift. You have it when you are born again. It is a, it's a birthright, this image and, and identity. It's brand new. It's undeserved. And it is a perfect identity and image in Jesus Christ. Wow, that's pretty important to remember. Second of all, like all things that are new, that you either purchase or you surround yourself with, your new identity and image in Jesus Christ, it might take some getting used to. It might take some, some figuring out. You might need to, to spend some time with it to get it to, to fit this, this whole new identity in Jesus Christ. But here's one thing, though, and here's why it's going to take you some time. You're going to have to shed a previous, an old identity to be able to take on this new identity in Christ. Amen? Third, and this is important, you don't get to change the identity that Jesus has for you. You don't get to change the identity of Jesus Christ that you are taking on when you come in as a believer in Jesus Christ. That is yours. You know what, you know what happens when man takes anything that he has touched and he has created and he tries to mix it with anything that Jesus has created? You know what we do? We are contaminating something that God has created. That's what we do. There is nothing that anyone can ever do to taint or to contaminate the image of Jesus Christ. But we can come in and we can put on this image and then try and improve it and we can contaminate our own image, right? It's like, it's when when we, we want to make it personal when we want to make it into our personal identity now even when we're wearing our new self in in jesus christ but we want to add to it anything we add is man-made isn't it yeah here's the really sad thing many people even many christians try and change this god-breathed Christ-inspired and Holy Spirit handcrafted undeserved identity. And we could really, really do some damage to it, huh? We're given something perfect, 
But then we want to go and, and, and change it. Your identity in Jesus Christ, it does not need anything added to it to make it better. It is already perfect. You don't need to change it. And, and, and some in our world, they, they want to take a little bit of, of their identity in Christ and a little bit of their identity in this world and just kind of mush them together and come up with something that fits. That doesn't really project the image of Christ now properly. You don't get to add condiments to your life with Christ to make it fit how we want it to feel, right? That's not, how, that's not our job. Your undeserved identity in Jesus is perfect as is. Amen? I'll tell you, I've known people who have gone and picked up a new car. Maybe they've saved. They go down and they get, it's top of the line. And they roll off the lot and they're bringing it home and it's all leather and there's heated seats and there's sunroof and maybe there's tinted windows and there's charge ports. There's little charge ports like at every single seat, right? And you can charge everything in the car. And the first thing that they'll do when you get home is they take it to their guy. Everyone knows a guy, right? But you know what their guy does? What they want their guy to do? They want their guy to do modifications. We want to change it. We need it to have that lower bass sound when we, when we hit that gas and, and right, it starts to rev up and we can really hear it. Or we want, to cha- we want to take it straight to the paint shop because stock, it didn't come with the color that we wanted and we want to change the color of it. We want, it, we want this car now to fit us, to fit our identity perfectly and we're going to create something that is going to fit exactly what we want. Dealership, that might have been really good rolling off of that lot. And we just changed some. And now if you, if you ever modified your car, I'm not saying anything against modifying your car, but I want you to, I want you to see sometimes we can take something, in this case your, your life in Christ, is, is, is absolutely perfect. But have we ever taken anything brand new and then started to modify it to fit it to feel the way that we want it to feel? I think we see that going on in our culture at times, right? Your image and identity, they are what you work hard to portray to other people about yourself. Your image and your identity, that's what you work hard to portray to others about yourself. It's what you wear. It's how you speak. It's the sticker on your phone and on your car and on your hydro flask and on your Chromebook. Those are image bearers that, that, that you're putting on to project an image about yourself to other people. Our world is built on image and it's built on identity. The most famous people in the world that you can think of, they're people who have a platform. They have a, a brand. That's a big name. That's a big word in, in, our, uh, in, our, in our high society, our, our, our high influencer culture is, oh, I need to have a brand. What's my brand? You know what? The, the people who have a brand, what is it that they are actually projecting with their brand? Well, typically it's themselves, right? A lot, a, lot of, a lot of brands, people who have brands, have hired people to help them make sure that brand is projected properly. That's the big thing is in, in our world of, 
of celebrity and culture is what is your brand? And for those of us that don't have three million followers and who don't have sponsorships and social media influence, what does the world look at you as, look at them as, as a brand? I'll tell you this, when the world bases everything about you on your image, you know what you end up being? Oh, watch this. You end up being lesser than. Lesser than somebody else. Lesser than somebody who has more followers, who has more brand recognition. We are in our world, by our own doing, under our own brand, we are lesser than. We're never going to be there. When, when you are out to create your own image and identity using the tools of this world, you are never going to be good enough. It's never going to happen. There will always be somebody with more than you have. If you choose to put on one of the world's standard, pre-made, influencer-approved, and culturally appropriate images and identities, the best you will ever be is lesser than. And that kind of hurts. I think that kind of hurts. The best I can do, the best approval that I could ever gain from the world is not enough. That's it. In 2019, there was a Harris poll. It was Harris and Lego actually put out this poll amongst 3,000 members of Gen Z. Now, these are people between 11 years old and 26 years old. And ask what it is that you want to be when you grow up. What is your career path? What, is, what are you looking to be able to do? Oh, and I bet we all kind of have an idea where this is going. You know what the number one, the top choice for career path was? YouTuber. YouTuber. 54% said that they would be an influencer if that opportunity were to present itself to be an influencer. But here's the question. Of our modern day YouTubers and influencers, what is their image and their identity? Their image and identity is whatever this world wants it to be. That's what it is. We all answer to somebody, don't we? The image and identity of the next generation, when they get where they want to go, it's to be a YouTuber and an influencer. I want to take a look and see what the Bible says about your image and identity. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to start in verse number 1. Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. We read this. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This chapter in Ephesians is so important because Paul is writing this chapter to people in Ephesus who were former pagans. They're, 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 they are following Christ. They are learning. They are growing in their faith, but they are former, former pagans. These are people who very much were like us, formerly pagans formerly lived by what the world wanted and he's writing them and he's talking to them about the difference between what your life was like and what your life 
is under Christ and what it should be like. And, and, and Paul is, is saying to them and to us in our culture, he's saying that in order to recognize what our life in Christ should look like, we need to remember what our life looked like. So we're going to take a look at that. I, we, we, we don't use the word transgressions very much. We see that here in, in this scripture. But it means this. It means a lapse or a deviation from truth and uprightness. It means a separation from truth. It means getting off track. And that's what Paul is saying. In your previous life, when you, you used to live separated from truth. And he says you were dead in your sins. And then verse 2 says you were dead in your sins when you used to live by the ways of this world. The Greek word for world, it's the word cosmos. It's where we get our English word cosmos from, which we think right away about the entirety of, of, of space and, and, and time and, and all of our, our planets. and We think about that, but there's also another definition that, that Paul is using this word for. The word also relates to the ungodly multitude. He talks about the world. When you're living in the ways of the, the world, the ungodly multitude. I think it would be fair to say that we all lived there at one point, didn't we? We all lived there at one point. The entire mass of men who are alienated from God and therefore are hostile to the cause of Christ. That's the, the world that Paul is talking about. That's where we lived. And if we have not fully brought ourselves to Christ... We're still there with one foot in this world, and maybe we've got one foot over here in our church world. But that world is a world full of those participating, mankind participating, and purposefully alienating themselves from God. Let me tell you something. You don't accidentally alienate yourself from God. That's a purpose, purposeful move. And there are some that purposefully do so. And that's where we lived. And, 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 and if we have not fully brought ourselves out, then we can struggle. That's an area we struggle. Paul will dive even deeper and he tells us, he tells us the leader of this world. The leader is, he says, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. One thing we know about God. We know God... We know God is, a, God is a spirit, and we know about a member of the Trinity, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the ruler of this world, the kingdom of the air, Paul also is referring to as a, as a spirit too. If we say Christ can be alive in people, we can see the, the ruler of this world being alive in people in a culture as well, can't we? See, unbelievers and even some Christians... They want to live in this world. They're okay living in this world that is ruled by a spirit that leads to a deviation from truth, an alienation from God that leads people to be hostile to the, hostile to the cause of Christ and, and, and people who want to live there and then try and upgrade their identity to an image that fits the culture. And we find ourselves in that. 
trying to live with that identity and image. An identity and an image that is applauded by our world, that is applauded by celebrity, it is so hard to live. And it's so sad. But it's so hard because it's ever-changing. Let me tell you something that never changes. The Word of God never changes. Amen? Come back with me. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm in verse number 3. We read this. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. It's going to lead me to point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who might be taking notes, write this one down. There is always something or someone helping you produce the image and identity that you convey to others. There's always someone or something helping you to create that image of yourself that you portray to others. Not only does this world disapprove of your image in Christ, it's going to offer you a variety of their standard, pre-built, influencer-approved, and culturally appropriate images and identities to choose from. You can choose from any of these and you're going to be fine until we change your mind, our mind, and we tell you that you're not. But there's plenty that you can find. So as long as they don't have anything to do with Jesus, as long as they don't have anything to do with the church, as long as you will agree to continually upgrade to their new image whenever they feel is necessary. Did you know that Jesus also has, he also has a helper here for you to help produce an image and an identity of you to convey to others showing him? Yeah, Christ has that. Yeah, your faith has that. But us, by our nature, the sinful people that we are, sometimes we find it just easier to just give the world what it wants. It seems easier sometimes, because with that, it comes some, some that would say, yeah, you know what, yeah, you're, you're good, you're in, you're there. And it's only because it satisfies other people. That's what makes it easy, is because it satisfies other people. The amazing thing about putting on our image and identity in Christ is, and, and wearing it is that, is that the Bible doesn't change. Jesus hasn't changed. God isn't changing. Our responsibilities as Christians aren't changing. When you come, we know what the image is. Now we're going to grow and learn about our image in Christ. We're going to learn how to wear our our image in Christ, but it does not change. There is not an influencer that is changing the identity that you are accepted in. That's our image in Christ. In today's world, we often see people struggling and struggling with their worldly identity and and, and those that are are trying to adhere to a a movement or a a statement or or to a banner. But then they turn and and, and blame society for, for areas in their life that are struggling. But you know what it comes down to at times is... A lot of times we struggle when we're, when we're one foot here, 
with Christ and one foot here with the world and we're struggling because we're fighting nature. We're struggling because we're fighting against what it is that Christ wants for us and Christ wins this battle in the end, amen? We know that. But we can continue fighting against that. Genesis chapter 1, 27, we read this. It said, so God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God created you in his own image. He created you in his own identity. But when we try to change something that is perfect, Again, the best that we're ever going to be is less than. But he's given us an identity in him that is perfect. Why are we trying to change what God has given us? Why do we try and change the identity that he has for us? God created you in his image. I'm so thankful that God created us, created me in his image. doesn't mean that I portray him the best of my abilities all the time, but I am created in his image. And to God, image is very, very important. And he knows that as humans that we struggle with it. We struggle with image, and he knows that, that, that man actually struggles when it comes to worshiping image. Would it be fair to say that image is worshipped in our world today? Yeah? I want you to see what God says about this. I'm in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 4. We read this. You might be familiar with this passage. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for i this is so important i the lord your god am a jealous god so not only has he created you in his perfect image but god is jealous of other images he is jealous of any other image or identity that we would worship you don't have to sing songs to something to worship something. You, you don't have to bow down to something to worship something. To worship something, all you have to do is yield to it. To yield to it and to its commands. That's, that's our, our worship. I wonder if our culture is yielding to images and identities and following commands. I guess I can kind of answer that myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they are. And they're doing it because they have a leader. world has a leader who continues to ask people to do so. And the world follows blindly of the worldly leader. Follows blindly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm in verse number 4. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, The God of this age, that's a lowercase g God, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there are people, and we've got people in this world, and you know people in this world, and sometimes we struggle with it, who mix the image of Jesus and the worldly images. And hear this, we weren't made to live with two identities and two images. 
As a Christian, when you're born again, you're made to live in the image of Christ. That's what we were given. It is an undeserved identity and image. We weren't made to live under the image portrayed by the, by the, the God, the ruler of, of the air, the spirit that's in work, in, at work in those who are disobedient. He, he, he has literally blinded their minds. We see this in Scripture because they choose identities and, and, and images of this world. And these images and identities simply cannot see the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, who is the image that we were made in. And I'll tell you something about your image and your identity in Christ. And I mentioned this at the beginning. Your image and your identity in Christ is absolutely undeserved. Think about it. What is it that we do deserve? What is it that we deserve? When, when, when we were unbelievers and we followed this world, we were just told that, that we were deserving of, of wrath. And that's, that's what we deserve. That's what we were good for, was, was wrath. That's what we deserve for being ones that we're, we're living, gratifying our, our own cravings for the, for the flesh and following out our desires and our, and our thoughts. We deserve wrath. But because of Jesus, things are different. Because of our faith, because you're born again, things are different. Come back with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm in verse number 4. We read this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Wow, that's important. Here's, that's going to lead me to point number two in your notes this morning. When God gives gifts, he does not give fairly. Stay with me for a minute. Every kindergarten class knows you got to be fair, right? Every student at the table has to have the same amount of goldfish crackers sitting right in front of them when they come in from recess. Every kid has to have the same opportunity to be the line leader sometime during class, right? And, and, and you, if, if, if Bobby gets two minutes on the swings, that means that Sally is going to get two minutes on the swings, right? This is, this is fair. It means that if you kick Bobby, what you deserve is to go to the principal's office. What it means is that if you kick Bobby again, you deserve to be suspended from school for a couple of days and you have to go home. It means if you come back and you kick Bobby again, it means you might deserve to be expelled from school and you are out. You cannot come back. I am so thankful that God is not fair that we are not getting what we deserve. I'm so very thankful. Here's the thing, though. I'm also thankful that the world wants everything to be fair because what we get to do now, what we get to see is what blessings and grace look like. See, if we, if we didn't have this to compare it to, we don't get to see what it is that God has for us. The world wants everything to be fair. It wants everything to be equal. Equal means every, everyone gets the same exact thing. God doesn't work that way. 
God has gifts for his children. He has blessings. He has, he has grace. But because we live in this kind of twisted world that shows us very plainly what fair is to this world, this standard, this pre-made, this influencer-approved and culturally appropriate images and identities, because we can see that, we are able to see God's blessings and God's grace. And we are able to say, wow, we can be thankful that God does not play fair. We are able to recognize our undeserved image and identity that we have in Christ. I want to look at this in depth a little bit more. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2. We're moving on to verse number 6. We read this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. You know what you get? You know what you get as a born-again Christian? You get the incomparable riches of his grace. And that's not fair. And I think we can all be joyous that we didn't earn it. And that's what we get. We can all be thankful that God is not fair. You know what grace is? And I know you've probably talked about this recently. It is undeserved. It is unmerited favor. It is being given approval that you did not earn. It is being given a position that you did not earn. It is being given an identity and an image that you did not earn. And for you, for Christians, it it is a gift. It is a free gift. It has to be a gift. Because, see, if it's not a gift, and if you don't accept it as a gift, that means that you have to work for it. That means that you have to do for God's grace what you have to do for the world's acceptance. You have to work for it. But grace is an unmerited favor. It is an unmerited image and identity that Christ has for you. This world works so hard for its identity. It works so hard to get as far away from anything biblical and Christ-like as possible, and as far as you can get away from it, and, and, and the further away, the more accepted you can, you can be. And it's hard work to impress others under those standards but not when you're under the standards of the image of Jesus Christ. See, to wear wear this life in Christ is not a brand that you had to earn. No, it is a gift that you were given. Come back with me. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm in verse number 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is so important. This is the third point in your notes this morning. You didn't earn, nor do you deserve your identity in Christ, but still it's yours if you will accept it. It's yours if you will accept it. 
It's an undeserved identity in Christ. If you earned your identity and your image in Christ, and you're going to stand up and claim it as something that you created, claim it as yours, then by default, what you are doing is rejecting the gift that God has given us. Right? We, to accept his gift that he has given to us means that we lay no claim that we earned it. It was a gift. And in order to take that gift and to accept that gift, that means that we must be willing to let go to let go of our own identity and image, to let go of the world's identity and image of us, to let go of our desires to create our own identity, and to simply accept this identity and image in Christ that he has for us when we come to Christ. You know, when, when we come to Christ, when you're baptized, we say, we say, into the grave with Christ, and, and you rise a brand new life. And that's exactly that, that brand new life that Christ has for us with no, he says, here is your brand new life. Take this and put this on with no modifications. It is perfect. It is what I created. What, what you put this on, this life in Christ and this is exactly what was made for you. You know that when the world looks at you through the glasses that this world looks through, it looks at us, and we heard this a minute ago, it looks at us as less than somebody else, not quite there yet. Somebody who would be a better ambassador of the world, if we would just get a little bit further away from, from Jesus. The world is, get this, you know what? The world is still judging us, isn't it? The world is still judging us. You can, you can put on every piece of, of, of worldly clothing and image and identity that the world wants you to wear, and it will still judge you. And you will still not be good enough. You know how Jesus sees you when he looks at you? How he sees you, when he sees you, he sees you as perfect. He sees you as good enough. He sees you as worthy. He sees you as righteous. He sees you in him because it is in him that the image of God was created. It's through him. You imagine you're being looked at by the creator of all things as perfect. You are not being looked at as lesser than. No, you're being looked at by the creator of all things. Paul writes this just a couple of chapters later in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm in Ephesians 4.24. says, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the image of of Christ that you are offered. That is the image that is given to you that you are offered when you come to Christ. So put this on. It's your new self. It's your new image in Christ. It's your new identity in true righteousness and holiness. 
Your old self, your old self is, 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 is being blinded. Oh, we've got a mind that's being blinded. It is blocking out the glory of Christ. Our old self is inviting idol images into our identity and into our atmosphere. Our old self is, is, is one that gratifies cravings for the flesh, that, that, that follows our own desires. Why would we ever want to hold on to our old self and, and try and make that better? To say, I'm going to keep this thing, I'm going to add some stuff to it, and I'll get by. I'll make that better. The best it's ever going to be is standard and pre-made and influencer approved. Even King David recognized this. I'm in Psalm chapter 17, verse number 15. He says, as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. I wonder if as Christians we are satisfied with the image and identity in Christ. I wonder if we're satisfied with our identity and our image in Christ, the one that Jesus gave us to put on when we come and we become a new person in Christ. How satisfied are we to put on the image of Christ and to turn away all of the images and identities of this world? How satisfied are we with that? The one thing that David knew that some in our world we, we kind of refuse to acknowledge is that you are not, you're not an accident, and your job is not to do whatever it is that makes you who you want you to be. I'm going to wrap up in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm in verse number 10 this morning. For we, remember Christians, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's so important. That's going to lead me to the fourth point in your notes this morning. Your true handmade identity has been created in Christ and prepared by God. Your true, your true handmade identity has been created in Christ and prepared by God. Your identity in Christ is undeserved. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And we should be thankful for that, that we didn't earn it and that we can't earn it. Because whenever we go in and we try and make something better, something that is God's, we contaminate God's handiwork. Don't let this world destroy or taint or contaminate what God has created you to be. You know how you take this new self and you know how you make it fit snugly? I know once we have it, it's like, okay, what do I do with it now? It kind of feels a little bit weird. I'm not used to this. We got to spend some time with it. We got to spend some time with Jesus. We got to spend some time in his word. I'm in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 10. Paul writes this to the church in Colossae and have put on the new self which is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. It's being renewed according to the knowledge. Right? The more we know, 
the better this fits. The closer we come to our Creator, the more this fits, the more we get it. It's not our job to change God to fit us. It's our job to change our hearts to fit God's heart. Amen? See, we get closer when we become, become more acquainted with God, spending more time with Jesus. It's learning that true knowledge of the identity and the image that you have been given. And I pray that that you're thankful for an undeserved image and identity in Christ because it will absolutely change your life forever. Accepting an undeserved image and identity in Christ. If you're here today and you're trying to live in Christ, but you're also trying to kind of live in this world I'm going to tell you, it's a fighting battle. It's hard. It's where life is hard. Because we're fighting this nature. You don't get to create nature. God's done that. He has this life for us. God already created it for you. Whether you believe it or not, God created you in His perfect image. This is the final verse that I want to wrap up with this morning. And I know we've talked about this today. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And for that statement, we should all be eternally thankful. Will you pray with me?